Coming up on today's show, we had some high school hoops last night in West Virginia. Yeah. Could Maryland get its sixth straight win? Uh, No. The the Caps and Bruins uh, tangled last night in Boston. The Mountaineers get right back to action tonight after Tuesday's tough loss. And we will get into the discussion concerning the situation with the uh, Creighton basketball team and head coach Greg McDermott. All that and more coming up in the next two hours of the morning rush. I got something in my eye. You got to excuse me for a second. Holy smokes. What is that, a piece of glass? Jeez. (laughs) Wow. I swear I'm blind over here. There we go. All right, we're good now. Look, my eyesight is bad enough as it is, let alone, you know, losing one of them. It's still in there. All right. Anyway, good morning to you. How the heck are you? So glad to have you on board. Uh, So glad you could take some time to tune in and hang out as we kick off yet another essential work day. Several ways to get involved on the show. As always, hit me up on Twitter at ESPN Morning Rush or at Rush Tony C. The good news is I say this opening every single day. So often I could do it with my eyes closed. So I got that going for me. Check out our Facebook page at Cumberland's ESPN Radio. Taking your calls on the rush line, 301-759-2628. Your chance to dial and dance. Shamo. 301-759-2628. And, of course, our podcast page. On the free Podbean app, we upload every show every day. Mine is commercials just for you. Go back and check out anything you may have missed from today's show, yesterday's show, we had Frankfurt girls basketball coach Mike Miller on yesterday's show talking about their season opening game last night against Spring Mills. Uh, speaking of which, how's that for a segue? Let's rock around the region. I want to rock! And we'll start with high school basketball where the season finally, after nearly a year-long absence, got underway last night in West Virginia. The Frankfurt girls off to a 1-0 start after a 56-40 win at Spring Mills. Frankfurt trailed by four at the half, then went off in the second half. Uh, Marier Perdue had 15 of her 25 points in the fourth quarter. FHS outscored the Cardinals 42-22. In the final two quarters, Haley Smith had 13 points and Izzy Layton had nine uh, for the Falcons. In college basketball, a game we'll get into here more in depth in just a bit. Maryland, what are you doing? Had its five-game win streak snapped last night with an upset loss at Northwestern. 60-55, to Aaron Wiggins had a game and career-high 26 points 
For the Terps, who had beaten the Wildcats five straight times, Terps are now 15-11 and 11 overall, 9-10 and 10 in the Big Ten. Locally, uh, Dorian Staples had 22 of his 29 points in the second half, also pulled down 12 boards to lead Allegheny College over Potomac State, 88-65. And tonight... West Virginia tries to rebound from Tuesday's overtime loss to Baylor. When it hosts TCU, Mountaineers uh, beat the Frogs 74-66 back on February 23rd. On the ice last night, the top two teams in the East Division hooked up in Boston. Here come the Bruins. Here comes Marshawn. Down the middle. A drag. A shot. A save made by Vanacek. And that's it. Good morning. Good afternoon. And good night, Boston. And Zidane Charis return to Beantown. The Capitals keep their win streak alive. Down to the Bruins. 2-1. to one. John Walton, the call on the Capitals radio network. You heard the man. 2-1 final. As the Caps uh, won their fourth straight game. Now, see, I have here TJ Oshie, and that is not correct. Lars Eller had the lone goal in regulation, and Jacob Vrana had the only shootout goal for Washington. Same two teams meet tomorrow in Boston. That means if I had TJ Oshie written down here, that means I, I use his name in all of the sports updates on all the other stations. My bad. Tonight, the Penguins and Flyers hook up for the second time in three nights in Pittsburgh. The Pens won on Tuesday 5-2 without Sidney Crosby, and they will likely be without their captain again tonight as he remains in COVID protocol. Uh, Pens and Flyers tied for fourth in the East Division, each with 25 points. And in Major League Baseball, spring training action, D.J. Stewart and Austin Hayes homered as the Orioles beat the Braves 8-1. Nationals lost to the Marlins 8-5. Newcomers Josh Bell and Kyle Schwarber went yard for the Nats. And the Pirates lost to the Rays in six innings, 3-1. Austin Meadows hit a two-run homer for Tampa. And that is your rock around the region. As we kick off today's show, brought to you by the Cap Rally Group. Uh, in case you don't uh, know or realize, a couple of those guys who hit homers, uh, former Pirates. Because Lord knows uh, we have former Pirates scattered all across Major League Baseball. Uh, Josh Bell, his first spring homer, former Pirate for the Nats. Austin Meadows, a two-run homer, former Pirate for Tampa Bay. So there you go. All right, a lot to get to today, and we are going to start with uh, college hoops. And, oh my goodness, Maryland, (laughs) what are you doing? (laughs) I cannot believe they lost at Northwestern last night. I just can't. Not after I sat here on Monday and praised them after they beat Michigan State to run their win streak to five. Not after I sat here and praised head coach Mark Turgeon and said he should get consideration for Big Ten Coach of the Year. Not after Joey Brackett's Joe Lunardi had them comfortably in the NCAA tournament as an eight seed. 
Terps were on such a roll, and then they go out and lose to Northwestern. You cannot lose <laughs> to Northwestern. Well, I mean, obviously they can because they did, but you get the point. You can't lose that game, not to a team that you had beaten five straight times and not in a place where you had never lost a game before. And the reason I say that is we are in March. You cannot give the selection committee any reason to doubt your place in the NCAA tournament. And when you go out and you put up 55 points against the second-worst team in your conference, that can certainly cast a shadow of doubt on your program. Not saying that this is going to kill them. Not saying that this puts them back out of the tournament because it doesn't. I'm just saying it doesn't help. (laughs) It doesn't help your case. Now, look, defense last night was on point. Again, we talked about this when we previewed the game yesterday. They have been really, really good defensively over the last six, seven games. And they only allowed 60 points. You allow 60 points in a Division I college basketball game, you got a pretty good chance of winning. But (laughs) they did give up the final six points of the game after they took a 55-54 lead. They had that lead with two and a half minutes left, and they didn't score the rest of the way. So this one, I think, falls squarely on the offense. Told you in the Rock Around the Region, Aaron Wiggins, great game, career-high 26 points. Which means the rest of the team combined to score 29. And that is just brutal. And Daryl Morsell had 14 of those 29. So you combine those two together, yet two players score 40 of your 55 points. Nobody else scored more than six. Hart had six. Ayala, he only had five. He was two for 12 from the floor. Dante Scott only had four points. And you want to know a surefire way to lose a basketball game, whether it's college, pro, middle school, high school, peewee, church league, wherever. You want to know a surefire way to lose a game? Get zero points from your bench. Zero. None. Nada. Zilch. Bubkiss. They got no points from their bench last night. Turf only shot seven foul shots, too. That didn't help. They were four of seven, which means they weren't getting to the rim. They weren't getting the ball in to draw fouls. And they weren't great from three-point range either. They were 9 of 26. Scott, Ayala, and Hart were combined 3 for 15 from beyond the arc. It's not going to get it done. And I mean, look, it happens. Some nights, you just don't have it. You you can't buy a bucket. As we like to say, you, you couldn't have dropped the ball in the ocean if you were standing on a boat. 
Had a young man last night in the scrimmage. Not last night, two nights ago. Had some great looks at the bucket. Just nothing. He couldn't get anything to fall. It happens. I get it. Sometimes you're just off. You get good looks. You get open looks. You get good shots. Sometimes they just don't go in. That's the nature of the game. So maybe I'm being a tad bit too harsh on Maryland. But these are the games that you cannot afford to lose in March when you just got yourself off the bubble. Now, I'm not saying they're back on the bubble now. And I'm not going to say that Sunday's game against Penn State is a must-win. But the last thing you want to do is go into the Big Ten tournament on a two-game losing streak. And not just a two-game losing streak, but having lost to two of the bottom four teams in your conference. You don't want that. Maryland, you don't want that. Now, I did say on Monday that after they beat Michigan State, that they could probably afford to lose one of the final two games of the regular season. I did say that. And they got that out of the way last night. And a loss to Penn State on Sunday. Remember, Penn State beat the Terps already once this year. Penn State is, uh, what are they, second worst team? No, where, where are they at? They are four from the bottom, right? They lose to the Fighting Nittanys. That would really ratchet up the pressure on the Terps to win at least one game in the Big Ten tournament. You cannot leave it in the hands of the selection committee. Yes, they're supposed to look at the entire body of work. Yes, they did beat four ranked teams on the road. But the last... the last. Lasting impression you want to give is three straight losses heading into Selection Sunday, right? You don't want that. You don't want to give that the committee those optics and say, well, you know, you're comparing teams, you're comparing bubble teams, and well, the Terps beat Illinois on the road, and they beat Purdue on the road, they beat Wisconsin on the road, but boy, look at look how they finished. They lost at Northwestern. They lost to Penn State. They lost in the first round. I'm not saying they're going to, but that's you don't want that. That's the last thing you want to happen. Hell, they lost in the first round of the Big Ten tournament. So the loss, while not devastating last night, doesn't help their cause. And as I mentioned, Joe Lunardi had them squarely in the tournament as an eight seed in Region Two. The loss, I don't know. I don't know when Joe's going to update his uh, projections. I was hoping he would have done it last night. Maybe drop the Terps down to a nine seed. Maybe just kind of flip-flop positions. You can't you can't leave him on the eight seed, on the eight line, after a loss out at, to Northwestern. You can't do it. So they're going to drop it a little bit. So if they drop from eight to nine, and then they lose to Penn State, they're going to drop it a little further. And then if they lose in the first round of the Big Ten tournament, guess guess what? Guess where they're at? Squarely back on the bubble. So bottom line for the Terps is they lost the game. It happens. They, they couldn't shoot. They couldn't score. It happens. It's basketball. 
but they they, they got to get you know again not a must win on Sunday, but ten and ten in the conference looks a lot better than nine and eleven, because right now they're nine and ten. They beat Penn State. They finished the regular season at ten and ten in, to me, unquestionably the toughest conference in the country. They finished in the middle of the pack in the standings. That looks good. But you lose to Penn State. Now you're at 9 and 11, two games under 500 in a conference. That's not a good look. So it would definitely behoove the Terps to take care of business against the fighting Nittanys on Sunday. Then we'll get set, of course, for the Big Ten tournament. All right. Time for a break. Got news and weather coming up. When we come back, we'll talk about a team that we already know is in the NCAA tournament. And they get back on the floor tonight after that tough loss on Tuesday to Baylor. Talking about them Mountaineers. Stick around. 102.1 FM, AM 1230, Cumberland's ESPN Radio. This is the Morning Rush. Rush line is open, 301-759-2628. Dial and dance, tell me what day it is, 301-759-2628. Also hit me up on Twitter, at ESPN Morning Rush, or Facebook, at Cumberland's ESPN Radio. I'm starting to get a little bit twitchy uh, when it comes to this whole vaccine thing. I heard something during the news update about uh, vaccines in Maryland, and I'm starting to get a little bit twitchy because like everybody I know around me is getting them, except for me. And look, I'm not saying that I should be in front of the line. There are people, a lot of people, a whole lot of people who need it before I do. I'm just saying that most people I know already have it. And so now I'm starting to get a little bit, you know, anxious, I guess, because I want it. You know, I want the vaccine. I, like, like, let's go. You know, sh- shot, shot. Let's, you know, let's rock and roll with the vaccine. But when I see a lot of people around me getting it and I don't have it, I'm getting a little bit, you know, just, I don't know, weird. Anyway. Uh, we talked about Maryland uh, last segment, losing to Northwestern last night. Didn't destroy their, ch- I mean, I still think they're a tournament team. Doesn't help their cause at all, losing to a team like Northwestern. Tonight, a team that we already know uh, is going to the NCAA tournament, West Virginia, continues its uh, four-game homestand to end the season with a game against TCU, which happens to be another team that wears purple, like Northwestern, and which should be a game (laughs) that they should win, which Maryland didn't do last night. Mountaineers, of course, uh, coming off that tough overtime loss uh, to Baylor on Tuesday night. TCU coming off a 20-point loss at Texas Tech. Uh, Mountaineers won the first meeting this season, 74-66 in Fort Worth. Uh, That game was back on, uh, what, February 23rd. And that also happened to be the final road game of the season for the Mountaineers. As we talked about, they're finishing the season uh, four straight at home. In that first meeting, uh, Taz Sherman, 23 points. Derek Culver, 18 points, uh, 14 boards. Another dub-dub for Culver. Now, Bob Huggins said yesterday 
that the team really, you know, they can't afford to dwell on what happened on Tuesday. You know, he said it was a tough loss for sure, but he said you can't let one loss turn into three because they got a tough game coming up on Saturday. And even though they, you know it would have been nice to beat Baylor, sure. It would have been nice to knock them off, sure. But there's still some things that need to be done. I mean, they, they can still finish second in the Big 12 and land that number two seed in the conference tournament. But they have to win tonight and then beat Oklahoma State on Saturday, which won't be easy. Uh, Kansas right now has a half-game lead on West Virginia for second place. But as we talked about yesterday, the Jayhawks, they are done with conference play. So they can't move anywhere. So two wins by West Virginia will jump them over Kansas into sole possession of second place and that number two seed. And you know, Huggins said they just got to take care of business, right? Focus on TCU tonight. And then worry about Okie State, which, you know, Cowboys, again, they're on a roll. They've won five straight, but they do have to take on uh, Baylor tonight. Now, a few things that killed West Virginia on Tuesday in that loss. One, they missed key free throws at the worst times. They only missed four foul shots all night. They were, what, 30 or no, 28 of 32. They only missed four. But the ones they missed, like Deuce McBride missed one with 13 seconds left. That would have put put him up by three, right? Which would have forced Baylor to shoot a three. And then there was one missed late in overtime as well. So, again, it's hard to criticize a team that shot 82% from the foul line. But, man, those misses really stand out. So, they got to get better from the free throw line in in clutch situations. And for some reason, it always seems like Deuce is the one. That, I know it's not, he's not the only one. But it seems like he could do everything else, but he just misses some foul shots at some bad times. Second thing from Tuesday, Derek Culver can't have a game like he had. He, he didn't have a single field goal. And it was actually something that was lost on me. I didn't even notice it when we were talking about it yesterday. He was 9-10 from the line, 0-3 for 3 from the field. He only had three shots. And a lot of that was because Baylor did a real good job of putting a ball pressure on the ball out top. They didn't have any clean looks, and, and they had trouble getting the ball to Culver inside because of that outside pressure. That's got to change. And three, Mountaineers, they allowed some points at the end of the first half end of the second half, and late in overtime. You know, Jared Butler hit that three at the first half buzzer that gave Baylor a a four-point lead at the break. And then Butler scored with 2.7 seconds left in regulation to send the game into OT, and then in OT, down by one, 34 seconds left, they fouled Adam Flagler, an 83% free throw shooter. Who nailed both foul shots to make it a three-point game? So those are the type of things that they got to clean up heading down the stretch. You know, get those clutch foul shots. Get Culver involved. 
and quit giving up points late in, in the halves. Now, the good news here, here's, here's the good news. <laughs> Nobody's going to confuse TCU with Baylor, okay? <laughs> TCU won't be able to do the things that Baylor did because they're not Baylor. Baylor's one of the best teams in the country. But West Virginia cannot afford a letdown tonight. They cannot, like Huggins said, right? You lose tonight, and now you're, you've lost two straight heading into a tough game against Oklahoma State. And the Cowboys, they're still playing for something. They still have a chance at the second seed in the Big 12. But their road's a little bit tougher. they got to beat Baylor tonight and then WVU on Saturday. So, you know, good luck with that. But you can't get stuck looking in the past, right? And, and I know your coaches say it. It's a cliche. But if it wasn't true, it wouldn't be a cliche. It's got, you got to be one, one, one game at a time, right? You, 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 even tough, and tough losses, obviously, are much harder to move on from than a big win. The tough losses stick around. You know, you, you win a big game. You celebrate. You're happy. Eventually, that that euphoria, you know, it dwindles, it dies off, and, and and you get to focus on what's coming up next. The tough losses just, boy, they just stick around a heck of a lot longer. They linger <laughs> for depends on the magnitude, when they happened, how they happened. There are still games from twenty years ago that sting me. Right, you know how it is. Whether you're a coach or you're a player or you're a fan, those heartbreaking losses just stick with you for a long time. And West Virginia does not have that luxury to allow that lost Tuesday to stick around because they got to turn around in two days and play again. So you have a loss like that. You, you learn from the things that we just talked about, you know, free throw shooting, you know, getting Culver involved, whatever. And you hope they can, you know, snap back into it and refocus for tonight. Because as we talked about with Maryland, the last thing you want to do is head down the stretch in March not playing your best basketball. Or at the very least, not that they played poorly on Tuesday, you, you just don't want to be on a losing streak. You don't want to go into the Big 12 tournament losing two or three or three straight. You want to hit the ground running when it comes to the NCAA tournament. You want to be on a win streak. You want to be hot. You want to be playing well. Because, again, Saturday's game, Oklahoma State, will not be easy. And I guess if you're West Virginia, you're you're kind of hoping that tonight's game – the Baylor-Oklahoma State game is a lot like Tuesday's game. Right? That they just beat each other up, it goes into four overtimes, and that Oklahoma State expends a lot of energy tonight. So then they had to bounce back from a tough game, you know, Saturday in Morgantown. So we'll see. And, of course, we'll talk more about uh, tonight's game uh, on tomorrow's show to see if the Mountaineers can, you know, get things square and get ready for Saturday. They're playing well. I mean, you lose to Baylor. Everybody, look, every team but one 
has lost to Baylor this season. And we mentioned this yesterday. And you look at what the Mountaineers have done against the top teams in the country. Yeah, they lost to Gonzaga. Yeah, they lost to Baylor. But boy, they played them tough. They took them down to the wire both times. And if you can hang with those two teams and you can clean up some of the little problems, you can hang with anybody. You can beat anybody. And uh, what did we say yesterday? Lenardi had them. He dropped uh, the Mountaineers to a three seed, right? Yeah. You had them on the two line on Friday. I'm sorry, on Tuesday before the game. Then he dropped them down to a three line after the loss on Tuesday. And you, you don't want to keep on tumbling down to the four line, five and whatever. So, but again, we'll talk about uh, that game more tomorrow. I want to hold off on I don't want to, I don't want to get into the Greg McDermott thing yet because we've got a break coming up and that's going to take some lengthy discussion. So we'll hold off on we got caps to talk about today. This weird I kind of thought I knew about this story that maybe I didn't know as much as I thought I did. You see this whole Terry Bradshaw Tom Brady uh story floating around. <laughs> In case you don't know, uh, Terry Bradshaw, his career ended because of a bump elbow. All right? He had elbow surgery, and it didn't take, and his career was over. And we'll get into this. I'm just kind of I'm teasing it right now. I'm not going to get into it. Oh, I know, I know why it came out. Now I understand. Like, I couldn't figure out why I was seeing headlines for Terry Bradshaw and Tom Brady yesterday. That's because yesterday was March third. And Bradshaw checked into a hospital for the elbow surgery on March 3rd, 1983. Now I understand. I didn't realize that. I couldn't figure out why I was seeing all these, these you know, these stories about Tom Brady and, and, and what the link is. But we'll talk about it later. Now that I've teased it, you have to hang around and find out. <laughs> I'm keeping it a secret. Of course, now you can just go online and find out before I say anything. But we'll talk about that. We'll talk about the Caps. We'll talk about the Greg McDermott situation uh, at Creighton. It is uh, sometimes I just don't know what people were thinking. I just don't know what causes people to say the things that they do. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, you haven't been paying attention because it's been all over the place since uh, this past weekend. Greg McDermott, head coach of Creighton, said some things in the post-game locker room Sunday that just, it floored me, it floored everybody. And so, I just don't know like what somebody is thinking when words come out of their mouth. But we'll talk about that. We'll talk about the Caps coming up next, the Bradshaw-Brady thing, a lot of stuff to talk about remainder of the show. And we're taking your calls, 301-759-2628. More of the rush. Stick around. 102.1 FM, AM 1230, Cumberland's ESPN Radio. This is the morning rush. Somebody's trying to start a pro basketball league for 16 to 18-year-olds. This is a joke, right? I mean, it just can't. Is it April 1st already? 
There's a short-form video content company called Overtime, which announced today it is launching a professional basketball league that will compensate high school-age players in hopes of funneling elite talent away from playing high school and collegiate basketball. Because players, you know, cannot be compensated for playing high school basketball because, you know, they should. Overtime will launch the league, Overtime Elite, in September. Targeting top-ranked players ages 16 to 18 who are willing to forfeit the remaining high school eligibility and future college to earn six figures. The hell are we doing? It's an emerging trend of, quote, athletes trying to hack the system to find a way to really address preparing themselves for a pro path and a pro career. That's OTE President Aaron Ryan. According to Ryan, some current players feel their high schools don't offer adequate academic and skill development and want to challenge current NCAA rules that don't allow them to profit from their likeness. All right, that second one, all right, I'll I'll give him that. Each, now listen to this. Each OTE player will earn at least $100,000 guaranteed for the season. The league also plans to compensate players through bonuses, equity in overtime, and revenues from players' name, image, and likeness. Which, of course, the NCAA, that they're in the middle of that stuff right now. Along with full health care benefits, OTE will offer up to 100 grand for players to use toward college tuition in the event a player doesn't go on to play in the NBA or other pro leagues. In lieu of a traditional high school curriculum, the league will offer an academic program that it says will focus on financial literacy, media training, and social justice advocacy. I, uh, yeah, I got nothing right now. I have to, I, I got to gather my thoughts on this one. I'm not exactly sure. Is this the path we really want to go down? I mean, really? Is this the path that we want to choose for 16-year-old kids because they're good at basketball? You're trying to entice kids away from high school and pay them 100 grand? Because they might be an NBA talent? I don't know. I, again, I just, I, during the last break, I just saw the story pop up. It was ESPN just uh, 
upload the story, and it came across my notifications. Stories from Martenzi Johnson, who logged it at 7 a.m., almost an hour ago. I got to let this stew for a bit. I got to let this marinate. I got to let it bounce around in my cranial region to see if I like this or not. I mean, I get the whole NCAA thing. I don't like the whole one-and-done deal. I never have. I mean, when you force a player to go to college for at least one year, it's a, it's a joke. It's a sham because they don't want to be there. They want to be in the NBA, right? You're, you're, you're For the guys who are truly NBA-worthy talents, you're forcing them to go to college for one year. It's 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 a it's a waste. It's a waste for them to be there, right? It, it, they should just go right, you know, go back to the days of you know LeBron did it, you know Kevin Garnett did it, all the guys, you know Kobe did it, right out of high school. I don't have a problem with that. I don't have a problem with that at all, and I think it should go back to that. If you think you're good enough to go straight out of high school into the NBA, then make that choice. And if, if you don't make it, then that's on you. So I don't like the one-and-done deal in the in the NCAA. That has to change. But I don't think they're even talking about that. They're talking more about if these players go to college, they can't make money off of their, you know, their nil, NIL, name, image, likeness. I don't know, man. You're going you're gonna to entice a 16-year-old kid to drop out of high school? That's basically what you're doing, right? Now, they said that they'll offer tradition, you know, uh, academic whatever that goes away from the traditional high school curriculum. But you're basically telling a kid, drop out of high school and come play for us in this elite league. We'll pay you a hundred grand. We'll set you up with full bennies. Tuition to college if you don't make the NBA, which I kind of like that. But it's just I don't, something just seems off about this. Something just doesn't. Now, look, I understand we live in a day and age where AAU ball and travel ball is trying to take over everything, in which I got a problem with that. I've said before, I've come around to AAU ball a little bit. At first, I didn't like it at all. But now I realize that there is a a place for both high school and travel ball. There's a place for all of it. But now, when you got leagues like this who are telling you to drop out of high school altogether at 16, 17, something just seems off about that. I don't know. Get your thoughts on that, all right? We're up against the break next hour. Give us a call, 301-759-2628. Or hit me up on Twitter at ESPN Morning Rush or Facebook at Cumberland's ESPN Radio. I have to give it some more thought. I don't want to jump on the surface, on the surface, just reading that story. I was reading it for the first time as I was telling you about it. 
on the surface, something seems funky about that. But at the same time, and if you want to make a choice to do something like that, it's, you know, it's your choice. I worry about, I, I would worry about the kids who aren't good enough. I would worry about the kids who are still pretty good, you know, there's still elite talent, but but the ones that might fall through the cracks, right? The ones who just might not be good enough to get to the next level. And now they didn't finish high school. Yeah, I don't know, man. I, I got I to give it some more thought. That's it's interesting, to say the least. All right. Hour number one in the books. Hour number two around the corner doing push-ups. Stick around. 102.1 FM, AM 1230, Cumberland's ESPN Radio. This is the Morning Rush. Several ways to get involved on the show. Hit me up on Twitter at ESPN Morning Rush or at Rush Tony C. Facebook at Cumberland's ESPN Radio. Your calls on the Rush line, 301-759-2628. Your chance to dial and dance. Shumo, 301-759-2628. Check out our podcast page on the free Podbean app. We upload every show every day. We cut it up, slice it up, clean it up, take all the commercials, slap a nice big ribbon on it, and package it up just for you. If you missed the first hour of the show, we talked about Maryland's uh, interesting loss to Northwestern last night. West Virginia taking on TCU tonight. And something... That was just brought to my attention. This, what is essentially a pro high school basketball league. Which we're going to talk about more here this hour. But first, let's rock around the region. I want to rock right now. We start in high school basketball, the non-pro version. Where the season finally got underway last night in West Virginia. The Frankfurt girls are off to a 1-0 start after a 56-40 win at Spring Mills. Marie Perdue had 15 of her 25 points in the fourth quarter for FHS, which outscored the Cardinals 42-22 in the second half. Uh, Haley Smith had 13 points. Izzy Layton had 9 for the Falcons. In college basketball, Maryland had its five-game win streak snap last night with an upset loss at Northwestern, 60-55. to Aaron Wiggins had a game and career-high 26 points for the Terps, who had beaten the Wildcats five straight times. Terps are now 15-11 overall, 9-10 in the Big Ten. Locally, Dorian Staples had 22 of his 29 points in the second half, also pulled down 12 rebounds to lead Allegheny College over Potomac State, 88-65 tonight, West Virginia tries to rebound from Tuesday's tough overtime loss against Baylor, hosting TCU. Mountaineers beat the Frogs 74-66 uh, back on February 23rd. On the ice last night, the top two teams 
in the East Division hooked up in Boston. Here come the Bruins. Here comes Marshawn. Down the middle. A drag. A shot. A save made by Vanacek. And that's it. Good morning. Good afternoon. And good night, Boston. And Zidane Ocharis returned to Beantown. The Capitals keep their win streak alive. Down to the Bruins. 2-1. Two to one. John Walton, the call on the Capitals Radio Network. Caps win their fourth straight game in a shootout. Well, not their fourth straight in a shootout. Last night was in a shootout. Uh, Lars Eller had the lone goal in regulation, and Jacob Vrana had the only shootout goal for Washington. Same two teams meet again tomorrow night in Boston. Tonight, the Pens and Flyers hook up for the second time in three nights in Pittsburgh. The Pens won on Tuesday 5-2 without Sidney Crosby. And they will likely be without their captain again tonight as he remains in COVID protocol. Uh, Pens and Flyers are tied for fourth in the East Division, both with 25 points. And in Major League Baseball spring training action, D.J. Stewart and Austin Hayes homered as the Orioles beat the Braves 8-1. Nationals lost to the Marlins 8-5. Newcomers Josh Bell and Kyle Schwarber went yard for the Nats, and the Pirates lost to the Rays in six innings, 3-1. to one. Austin Meadows, former Pirate, hit a two-run homer for Tampa. And that is your Rock Around the Region brought to you by the Caporale Group. All right, let's get back to this story that just broke an hour ago. Apparently, there's this short-form video company called Overtime. And they are launching in September, which is essentially a pro high school basketball league. They are going to try to pull the best 16 to 18-year-old kids into this league. Kids who are willing to forfeit their eligibility. Because if you sign with this league... You're done. You can't play high school. You can't play college because you're going to be compensated. For a kid who joins this league, they make a hundred grand. They get health benefits. They get equity stake in overtime. And if the player doesn't pursue pro basketball, they'll be given one hundred thousand bucks for college tuition. They can also make money off their name, image, and likeness. And I'm not sure if I have a problem with this or not. What they're doing is basically giving a giant double-barrel salute to the NCAA. What they're doing is saying, all right, NCAA, you still have this archaic one-and-done rule where a player has to go to college for one year before going to the NBA. I don't know if that's the NBA rule or the NCAA rule. i got to clarify on that. It might be the NBA rule, tell you the truth. And they're saying, all right, NCAA, you don't want to let these players profit off their, their nil, name, image, and likeness. Then we'll do it for you. And I'm not going to sit here and tell anybody what to do. If you're a 16-year-old kid and you're talented enough on the basketball court 
that you think you can go pro and your family, your circle makes a decision that you should do it, whatever. It's not my life. Right? And we and, and we kind of had these discussions back when, when players were jumping from high school right to the NBA when there wasn't that one-and-done rule. Some players made it. Some players didn't. That's the chance you take. That's the chance you take when you bet on your own talent. So I guess if a player is good enough and he's willing to forfeit all that eligibility, then you do you. The fallout from this means that college basketball is going to take a major hit. If this league succeeds, we're not going to get the top players in college basketball anymore. They're they're just not going to go. They're going to leave straight from high school and go right to this overtime elite league. And I, I just, I have a problem. If I have a problem with anything... It's are we putting too much spotlight on a 16-year-old kid? Are we putting too much pressure on a 16-year-old kid? Now again, the age range is 16 to 18. And according to Dar- Darren Ravel, the league there will be 30 ranked players, high, high school ranked players, guaranteed 100 grand a year each, plus bonuses and equity in in the company. Now it does say that they will, you know, they will include high school classes, but not the traditional high school classes, like financial literacy, stuff like that. So I, I guess, I guess they won't, they won't, they won't be taking geometry. All right, let's put it that way. I like the idea that if they don't pursue pro basketball, they they get tuition, like they get a hundred grand towards college tuition. I do like that. It gives them a fallback. But I have to ask the question, if if how much are we damaging these these kids? I mean, I, we're essentially asking them to drop out of high school to go play in a professional high school basketball league. I mean, where does it end? Are we, are we going to have a professional middle school league pretty soon? Are we going to have a, a professional peewee league? Where we take the top talent ages six through eight? When we start seeing leagues like this, I think we are, we're going to see the death of amateur sports. Because all the best talent is going to go to a league like this. We're not going to see any of it in college. College basketball is going to suffer immensely because of a league like this. High school teams are going to suffer immensely. Because all the best talent, the ranked talent, they're going to leave. Wouldn't you? I mean, seriously, wouldn't you? If you're a 16, 17-year-old kid and someone gives you a phone call and says, hey, we think you're good enough, come play, come make 100 grand to play on our pro high school league, that's kind of, <laughs> that's kind of hard. It's kind of hard to pass up, is it not? I don't know. I want to hear your thoughts on this. Give me a call. 301-759-2628. 301-759-2628.
or hit me up on Twitter at ESPN Morning Rush or Facebook at Cumberland's ESPN Radio. Do you think this elite league is good for basketball, for the kids? Do you think it's a smart move? Do you think it's smart for the players? And the one thing that I would hope, as I look at this on the surface, the one thing that I would hope is that this league isn't just using these kids to push its own brand and then forget about them once all said and done. All right, that's the one thing. Not not saying they are. I'm just I'm throwing it out there. I'm hoping that this overtime doesn't just chew these kids up and spit them out if they don't become pro prospects. You know, even though again they're willing to give them a hundred grand college tuition, but do they just forget about them after that? Because look, you're at you're at what you're doing here is you're asking these teenage kids to make a pretty big decision early on in their lives to drop out of high school and come play in your basketball league. So are you going to have their back when stuff hits the fan? Are you going to have their back when things don't work out? Now, this overtime, this video company already has a massive following, apparently. I saw the numbers here. At, uh, where, uh, where's it at here? I got to go through the uh, Twitter machine here. They get like a million, they have a, a million followers or a billion followers. I lost a number. I lost the number. It was here somewhere. It's gone now. Uh, over, okay, here it is. Overtime has 40 million followers across social media and does 1.7 billion views per month. So if you're a high school kid, if you're, a, you know, that's exposure. Is it not? That's exposure. 1.7 billion views per month. Me, personally, I am not interested in watching a pro high school basketball league. I'm just not. I don't watch high school basketball on TV. You have ESPN, ESPN2 sometimes. They'll have like the high school game of the week. I won't watch it. I'm not interested in watching high school basketball players play on TV. I'm just not. College is my cutoff. I can see those. I can, well, I, I used to be able to see those guys in college. Now I won't be able to even do that. College basketball is going to suffer. It's not going to be good anymore because nobody's going to play. I mean, not nobody. You know what I mean. Good. Play, you'll have good players in college basketball. You'll have the best talent in the country playing for this league. And then maybe the G League or maybe overseas and then you have number one play in the NBA. There's something about paying a high school age kid a hundred grand to play hoops that I don't know bothers me just a little bit. But it's not my again. If they want to do it, do it. It's your life. Knock yourself out. I just hope I just hope these kids don't get lost in the shuffle. I just hope you know. Because apparently this is going to happen. It's going to happen in September. That's a pretty big decision for a 16-year-old kid to make, to walk away from high school, to forfeit your eligibility in college, to go play in this league. 
It's going to be, it's going to be, obviously you'll get exposure. Like this is the, the Uber step up from AAU and travel ball. This is the next big, and it's not going to stop here. It's not going to stop here. If, if this league does it, and then we're going to see other leagues popping up. Say, hey, if you're not good enough to make it into the overtime league, then come play for our league. You know, we'll, we'll, <laughs> we're going to see a G League for the high school league, right? NBA has their G League. Now we'll see a G League for the high school league. Hey, if you can't make the overtime league, come play for this one. If this overtime company is doing it for the right reasons, then I, I guess I'm willing to let it play out. But if they're doing it to push their own brand, if they're going to use these kids to push their own brand, then I got a problem with it. I don't know. We'll see. Jay Williams, of course, part of our national uh, morning show, uh, tweeted out here, the next iteration of player empowerment. If you work hard, you should get paid what you're worth. That's what he said. If you work hard, you should get paid what you're worth. The question that will ultimately be asked, one of the questions, is is a 16-year-old high school basketball player worth 100 grand? And I don't, I don't want to get into the whole, you know, oh, this is the end of innocence thing. But it kind of feels that way, doesn't it? You know, when we, we had discussions about AAU ball and travel ball and stuff like that. I, I still think there's something to be said for playing high school ball, for playing for your school, right? And that there's there's room for both. Now you play high school ball and then you go play AAU ball or travel ball. There's room for both. You can play for your high school and have that experience, which is still a great experience, and then go play AAU ball, travel ball, and get all the, you know, get the eyeballs on you and the scouts and all that kind of stuff. There's room for both. This takes it to a whole new level that I don't know if I can get on board with. I, I really don't. Because I just worry about the kids who don't make it. Those are the ones that I worry about. Who was, uh, I can't remember the one player. Wasn't there, there's a couple of players who, who jumped from high school to the NBA and just flamed out that didn't make it. They thought they had it. They thought they had the talent and just didn't happen. And I worry about that with the kids who are making the decision to leave high school and go play in this league. Not to mention the fact you're giving a 16, 17-year-old kid a $100,000 check that might come with its own problems. You follow me? That's a lot of response. That's a lot of financial responsibility for a teenager. This is at the. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. This is at the very. This is interesting because there could be a bunch of directions this thing could go. It could really take off and be great, or it could just. It can completely crash and burn. All right, give us your thoughts. 301-759-2628. Go to uh, ESPN's website, read the story, judge for yourself. Again, launching in September. Not right, right around the corner. All right, news and weather coming up. When we come back, we'll talk some uh, Capitals hockey. And we'll get into the Greg McDermott situation. Stick around. 102.1 FM, AM 1230, Cumberland's ESPN Radio. 
is the morning rush. One more thing about this uh, overtime elite league, which is launching in September, which is essentially a professional high school basketball league. They're going to pay 16 to 18 year olds who are willing to forfeit their high school and college eligibility to go play in this league and pay them hundred grand each to do so. One more thing about that. What happens to some of these prep schools or these private schools? What happens to them when, now look, I don't think this, this overtime league is going to be like 200 players. It might be 30 to 40 ranked players nationally. It's not going to be, now there's not going to be 20 teams, I don't think. But what's what's the trickle-down effect? You know what I mean? How far, because this is going to send shockwaves. It's going to send shockwaves throughout high school ball, throughout college ball. We're going to see the top players in the country not going to college, not going for that one season, which is going to you know affect the college product. What happens to some of these prep schools, private schools? What happens, hey, let's, let's throw this out here. What about a tournament like the ACIT, which we have at Frostburg State for what? They're going on 60 years, right? What happens to the quality of a a tournament like that when the best players are no longer going to DeMatha, they're no longer going to Paul VI, they're no longer going to Bishop O'Connell or somebody, you know, I'm St. Joe's, Mount St. Joe's. The tournament's going to lose some of its appeal, is it not? If a player doesn't have to go to one of those schools, when a player reaches 16 and can just jump to this overtime elite league, why go to high school? Why go to DeMatha? Why why go to those schools? Now, again, there's still going to be room for a lot of the very, very good players to play high school ball, because not everybody is going to be cut out for this overtime elite league. That's going to be for the best of the best. But then what happens if another league pops up and another league pops up? It'll take a while to see how it's going to affect everything else, what the trickle-down is going to be. But I can tell you one thing, it's not all going to be positive. All right? The after effects, the ripples... The trickle down, call it what you want. It's not all going to be positive. So it's definitely something we'll keep an eye on. All right. Uh, Shifting gears now. I know this is a big jump. We go from high school basketball to to hockey. (laughs) But there was a showdown last night between two of the top teams in the NHL. In Boston, Caps beat the Bruins in a shootout 2-1. Game was scoreless through two periods. Bees got on the board first with a uh, David Pasternak goal. Lars Eller tied it up. Nothing happened in overtime. Caps get the win in the shootout. Washington now leads the East Division with 30 points. And last night's win broke a tie with the uh, Islanders, who are now in second with 28. Bruins still in third with 27 points. Same two teams will meet again tomorrow night in Boston. 
to bridge the gap between the two games, the guys who will call the games on the Caps Radio Network, John Walton and Ken Sabarin. Capitals with one win in Boston, three wins and three tries on the road trip, looking to make it four on Friday. John and Ken with you here getting ready for Bruins Capitals Part 2. This was a defensive struggle and a look back to Wednesday night, but the Caps found a way, and in doing it and come from behind fashion in the third period, we were saying the third periods for this team had been a problem. They haven't really been a problem lately. They were good in New Jersey. They were good in Boston. They've been good for the last half dozen games or so, so a lot of things starting to trend in the right direction for this team. Team, finally after a little bit of a hiccup there. Yeah, it took a little while for them to get their game down, but I think they know the way they want to play, and I think you got to add in the other starts. Three good starts in a row and three games. I mean, they come out hard against the Boston Bruins, too, so I think it's good. I think everybody's falling into place. Uh, the continuity of the, the lines and the people in the, in, the, uh, in the lineup every night, and they're starting to play. They're getting great goaltending, all that stuff, but the, the system that Peter Laviolette and his coaching staff are putting together, is, is you're starting to see it now. They're not going to clog the middle of the ice, not going to give the opponent too much. He doesn't want to make it a track meet back and forth and just clog it up, and it's been working for them. Ben Raby has mentioned a time or two, and he may very well be right before it's all said and done, that Ilya Samsonov, when you get to Game 1 of the Stanley Cup playoffs, he'd be the starting goaltender for Game 1 in a playoff series. But that's not right now. And right now, without question, Vitek Vanacek, not only the number one on this team, Vitek's got to play Friday, too, doesn't he? I mean, you're not going to get Ilya a game here after you win in a shootout in Boston, on the road, keep it going. I think we're going to see Vitek again on Friday. I would come back with him. I mean, you know, he played good. He didn't get tested a lot till the end of the game, but he made the stops he has to make. And not only that, he's he's doing his job, but the team is playing good in front of him, and that's what you want. You don't have, you can't be worried about feelings or just stuff. I mean, there's going to be opportunity to get uh, Sam Sonoff in there, and, and he may be the number one when it's all said and done, the dust settles at the end of the year, but right now, you got to put two points in the bank as much as possible. With everything so bottled up in the in the top of the division, you want to put a little separation if you can. So uh, he's been doing his job. There's no reason why you can't do that. There's no reason why you shouldn't be doing that. So he's, he's plenty of rest in between. He's a young guy. Uh, we'll find out on Friday, but uh, I'd be putting him back in. Lars Heller chips in with a goal in the third period. I feel like he's having that kind of season, much like he did last year, where you turn around and say, like, oh, he's in double digits in goals. And, you know, he just, he's never going to be a guy that stands out in goal scoring on this team because of all the firepower in the top six. But boy, when they needed him, Lars was there and a nice little chip in against Rask and the reason they even got to overtime to begin with. Well, he's so valuable to a team, Lars is. And any, any league would love to have him as the third center coming up and down the middle. Uh, you can put him up wherever in injuries, whatever, suspensions. You can throw him up and down. You can play up and down the lineup. But you know what you're going to get him consistency every single game. He's going to go towards the net. He's going to go to the dirty errors in the corner, pay the price to make a play, all the little things, and he gets rewarded with a big goal. So uh, Lars Eller, to me, is is valuable on this team, and I think any team, like I said, would love to have a guy like him in their lineup. It was a slow start. The pace picked up. The Capitals win four in a row. They'll shoot for five straight and looking to keep a perfect road trip alive to Bruins Capitals coming up at 7 o'clock Friday. That's right, and you can catch the game right here at 7 o'clock. Look, Caps are, are really starting to turn things around, right? I mean, they hit a kind of a rough patch where they lost four games in a row. They had to endure three postponements due to COVID issues. Then they had COVID issues of their own, right? Ovechkin, Kuznetsov, Orlov, Samsonov all had to miss time. They either got COVID or or around, they were around those who did. And it's really hard to measure what that can do to a team. You got players missing. 
You got to switch lines around. And it's kind of hard to get that chemistry, that flow, when you have guys in and out of the lineup. And they all didn't come back at the same time either. But now that they all are back, I think things are starting to settle down a bit for the Caps. Like you heard the guys say, they've won four straight, five out of six, seven out of ten. And they're just starting to put it. Now, hopefully, you know, if you're a Caps fan or for the team, they don't hit many more roadblocks along the way as far as COVID issues go, but you never know, right? You never know. But they're looking good right now. They're looking now like they did when the season started. Back whenever I was saying, and of course it was very, very early in the year, that they looked like Stanley Cup contenders. That's how they're looking again. And not an easy, well, let me let me take that back before I even say it. I was going to say not an easy task to beat the Bruins in Boston, but if there's one team the Capitals have simply dominated over the years. It's Boston. So I can't I can't really say that. They pretty much own the Bruins over the past how many years. So see if they can do it again tomorrow. If they can run that win streak to five, put more distance between themselves and the Islanders and the Bruins tomorrow night. And again, reminder, you can catch the game right here on Cumberland's ESPN Radio. Uh, puck drop, 7 o'clock pregame at 6.45. All right. One more break. When we come back, we'll look at the player who delivered last night and we'll get into the Greg McDermott situation at Creighton and what should happen to him. Stick around. 102.1 FM, AM 1230, Cumberland's ESPN Radio. This is the Morning Rush. Reminder, we got a high school football coming up tomorrow night or afternoon or whenever it is. I can't get used to that. I can't I can't get used to football in March. I probably never will. We got high school football. We got Frostburg State football starting next week. It's just, it's weird. Football in the spring. We got Mountain Ridge at Allegheny tomorrow. We'll have the game right here on this station. Kick is 5 o'clock. 5 o'clock. Uh, pre-game about 4.50. All right, let's take a look now at the player who delivered last night, brought to you by All Seasons Landscaping and Supply Yard. How about the Sixers? Joel Embiid, the big man, had a monster game against Utah. 40 points, 19 rebounds in Philly's 131-123 win over the Jazz in overtime. Embiid hit a three, a late three, to send the game into OT. So Joel Embiid, the player who delivered last night, brought to you by All Seasons Landscaping and Supply Yard. All right, so back to college hoops. Last night, number 10 Villanova won its sixth Big East title in seven years with a 72-60 win over number 14 Creighton. But all anybody wants to still talk about is Creighton head coach Greg McDermott, who is under fire for saying some really stupid stuff over the weekend. Uh, In his post-game locker room talk after a loss to Xavier, McDermott, trying to get his team to stick together, said, quote, 
We need both feet in. I need everybody to stay on the plantation. I can't have anybody leave the plantation, end quote. Now, McDermott immediately recognized what he said and apologized to the team right then and there. And he later issued a public apology. And on his radio show before last night's game against Nova, he said he had uh, a long meeting with the players Sunday night. And he said he, he, he saw the pain on their faces and, and he hoped that, you know, one mistake, albeit a big one, doesn't define somebody. And he addressed the matter again after last night's game. Obviously, I'm extremely dis- disappointed in myself, but the pain that I caused our players uh, who look to me as a mentor uh, and as a leader, uh, the pain that I saw in their eyes uh, was, was immense. That's where my disappointment is in myself is that what I've, what I've done to some young people uh, that I love very much. So that's a, that's a cross that I'm going to have to bear uh, for a while. And, uh, and uh, I'm, I'm going to come out of this uh, on the other end uh, a better person because of it. Now, McDermott went to the university and offered to resign even though a majority of the players did not want him to resign. And the school said that any disciplinary action would remain confidential. ESPN's Seth Greenberg said there needs to be some kind of discipline. Personally, I think he probably should have been suspended. Uh, This conference championship won't determine uh, this team's path because obviously they're going to make it into the NCAA tournament. But I think just moving forward, you've got to address this before you can move on. And I I don't know if these players can move on in their heart and their mind and their spirit until it's addressed in a, in a more serious manner than more than just an apology. I knew that I know for a fact because I just spoke to a coach in the league that's very close to him and I spoke to the administration, uh, some, someone in the administration of the Big East that conversations are taking place, conversations have taken place, individual conversations have taken place with players, individual conversations have taken place with other coaches that Coach McDermott respects. Uh, real conversations, uh, honest conversations, uh, but also some of those people that know him best. Uh, you know, some uh, some of the coaches that uh, are very close with him, and and they were emotional conversations. But it still doesn't answer the question, and the question is the self examination of where did this come from. I think he needs to step down in terms of stepping away from his team right now in this moment in time. And then I think he needs to kind of let the university go through the process of evaluating the situation and, and what he learned and, and, and those things in nature. But I do think that it would be hard for a player, one of my players, to, you know, if I said that, and I don't know if he said it before, he's for surely heard it before. Because, look, I'm not going to put words in someone else's mouth. He said that in that moment in time. That's the only, th- the only time... I know of him saying it because he admitted to saying it. Now, look, I have gone on record saying that today's society is soft and uber sensitive, that it seems like there are people whose main goal in life is to get up every day and find something to be offended about. And I will be the first one to tell you if I think people are overreacting and making a big deal out of nothing. Uh, This is not one of those times. 
what McDermott said was awful. It was extremely insensitive and just downright stupid. And like Seth just said right there, I don't know where you heard that analogy. I certainly don't know why he thought there would ever be a good time to use it. Especially in a locker room addressing your players. And not even just addressing the team, but anywhere. He clearly made a massive mistake. He owned up to it, yeah. Apologized for it numerous times. And what happens next, you know, is really up to the university. I do not believe in cancel culture. I think cancel culture is one of the worst things to ever happen to our society. I don't have much respect, if any at all, for people who participate in cancel culture. I believe we're human. I believe we're flawed. We make mistakes, sometimes giant ones. And we got to be held accountable for those mistakes. But I think we also got to be allowed to atone for those mistakes. Now, granted, there are some people who do and say some things that are so awful, it's hard to allow for that atonement. In this case, McDermott is guilty of saying something extremely insensitive, extremely insulting, that hurt a lot of people, most importantly his players. So cancel culture automatically wants to dismiss him, fire him, do away with him, get him out of here. It's, it's, it's swift justice. And just move on. But I'm not so sure that's the way things get fixed. I'm not so sure that's the best way to deal with things like this. People want the swift justice. They want the immediate gratification of him getting fired, losing his job. But there has to be room for discussion. There has to be room for honest, open dialogue. That's how things heal. That's how forgiveness happens. I think that's how we become better as people, right? That's how we become better towards each other by having a discussion. And again, it could sometimes that those discussions could be brutally honest and in their own way hurtful. But we can't just go around canceling everything we don't like or agree with. Not that anybody should like or agree what McDermott said, because we shouldn't. But I don't think he should be fired or canceled. Why? Because his players don't. The young men in that locker room, the ones who were directly affected the most by what he said, if they held that meeting, if they had that talk on Sunday night, that long player meeting, they talked it out, they hashed it out, if they didn't want him to resign, then why should I? Should he be disciplined? Yeah. Suspended? Yeah. Canceled? No. And I would say that about a lot of cases like this. We can't just go around trying to just eradicate people and situations and things 
It, it's it's too knee jerk reaction. There can be something something to be learned from in, in, in a lot of situations. He should be disciplined, and, and the university should suspend him. He should step away from things for a while. And hopefully he and anybody associated learn something from it. And then maybe, you know, in some way, shape, or form, people are better for it. I don't know. But man, and I said this at the top of the show, I just don't understand. I don't get why people just say and do the things they do. When I first heard that, I was just like, oh, you got to be kidding me. You've got, he said what? To who? But again, we make mistakes. We're human. It, it's what we do. We're not perfect by any stretch. Nobody's perfect. And look here, man. If we were all, <laughs> if all of us were canceled for some of the things we've done and said in the past, we would, we would cease to exist as a society. We would all be canceled. Would we not? Seriously. So now we just wait and see what happens. We, we wait for the next shoe to drop for Coach McDermott and see what the university does. All right, uh, we're done here. Another show in the books. As always, I thank you for listening. I appreciate you. Enjoy the rest of your day. Be safe. Don't forget, we got Monner Hoops tonight. Well, not here on the station, but they're playing tonight. Taking on TCU. We'll talk about that game tomorrow. Uh, We'll have another Rush Friday feature from Joe Shuda talking some hockey tomorrow with a former Penguin. Some high school hoop scores. Get you ready for the weekend. All that stuff coming up tomorrow. Join us then, 7 a.m. sharp. This is the Morning Rush. I am Tony C. And I am done. Ah, see ya!